everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to episode five of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast, where we feature a variety of MMs in different contexts and roles. I'm Jeff Clark, the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan. In today's episode, you'll hear General Superintendent Wayne Schmidt talk about how God can call people to any profession and provide a context for ministry. He shares how he is seeing marketplace multiplying happening in factories and offices, in retail businesses and recreational contexts. God is strategically placing his people for his purposes. Today's featured MM is Scott Addison, who will talk to David Drury about how he lives this out as a medical doctor in Michigan. Our third segment will feature Scott's pastor, Pete Yoshanis, from All Shores Wesleyan Church. We're joined again by Wayne Schmidt, General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church. And Wayne, today we have a doctor uh, coming on again, Scott Addison. Talk a little bit about Scott and what you know of his context. Yes, Scott is a a medical doctor and he's in one of those professions. It's not true of all our marketplace multipliers, but he's in one of those professions that really gives opportunity for conversation as a regular part of the rhythm of work. And he makes the most of that opportunity. He loves to integrate his faith into those conversations, share a bit about Christ. And he uh, not only has a heart for those right there in West Michigan, he's he's part of his own church, All Shores in West Michigan, as Pastor Pete Oshanish, but he has a heart for the whole globe and he leads a health network. And so I love it when someone can be really present and intentional in personal relationships. And then as they build a zoom out to have a heart for the whole world, kind of that combination of passion and compassion. And we're really hearing that theme through all these interviews about an intentionality of wrestling with what does influence and integration look like in my context? And it does come to life differently if it's the medical field or the business world or, or any job. Why is it so important for individual believers to, to think through intentionally what does faith look like in my context? Yeah, and one of the things I love is some of our marketplace multipliers make it a regular practice as they begin their day to pray that they'll be spiritually sensitive to opportunities. And I think that intentionality that's birthed in prayer makes such a difference. But my dad, for instance, was a certainly a blue-collar guy, construction business. And so what it looked like for him to have occasional opportunities for conversations is different than someone like Scott, who's a medical doctor maybe sees 20, 30, 40 people in the course of a day or a couple days. So I think intentionality is to say, what is my context like? And am I in tune with the spirit? So if the spirit kind of nudges me, I know ah, this is an conversation that I want to listen even more intently in, or I want to consider praying for this person, however the spirit may prompt. One of the things Scott talks about that really intrigued me was calling. Hmm. He talks about how as he grew in his faith, he thought it was inevitable that he would feel called to the mission field to be an overseas medical doctor. But that's not what God did. God called him right to where he was to be more intentional in the marketplace he was already located in. As someone who's worked in the church your whole life, who has seen people called to the ministry in the church or called overseas, 
Speak to us a little bit about feeling called to the marketplace. Yeah, Jeff, this couldn't be bigger because I think what happens is people get spiritually serious and they begin to sense a call on their life that in the past there's been a conditioning toward, well, if you're being called, you got to be a pastor. If you're being called, you got to be a missionary. And I believe that God really wants to position people, not in the, only in local churches and not only on mission fields, that those are valid callings to be celebrated. But there are so many people who are called to their marketplace role and through their excellence, through their interest in others, etc. That is their ministry. So they don't have to go to church to have a ministry, though many people like Scott are involved in church context, but everyday workplace context is their calling. So, oh, I long for the day when people say, I am as called to my workplace as my pastor is called to the local church that she or he leads. That's a revolutionary idea. A revolutionary, absolutely. Why do you think we miss this at times? Well, I think part of it is, you know, that there's a biblical principle of priesthood of all believers, and I think we lost that and we began to elevate certain kinds of calling, when in reality, whatever your profession, it can be a calling and provide a context for ministry. So I, I've i just become very sensitive to the fact, because I talk to marketplace multipliers all the time, when they start to get spiritually sensitive, I can see the wheels turning like, okay, does this mean I need to be a pastor? Does this mean I missionary? I say, Tell me about what you're called. Tell me how you feel about the opportunities in your marketplace. I can tell they are called to that marketplace role. Why, in your opinion, is it so important for pastors to understand this and to give this blessing to their people? Well, I think there's a tendency to project our experience onto others. So if I was called to pastoral ministry and someone else is feeling called, well, maybe it's to pastoral ministry. But if they can bless it, uh, our marketplace multipliers say this regularly. We don't want to be mavericks. We don't want to be apart from the church. We want to serve and and be sent by our local church, be blessed. And so pastors have to have a vision that's broader than their own calling, and they have to get over their own insecurity and maybe thinking I'm the only one called. Sometimes that comes up. Thankfully, it's less common and instead be hero makers, be blessers of the callings of others that take them into the marketplace. I, I'm in a local church uh, with Pastor Steve Deneff here at College Wesleyan in Marion where this is intuitive to me because he's led in this direction for a long time. So I can take that for granted. So speak as the leader of a, uh, of a denomination. Uh, many churches are following you. What's your dream? for our church as we think about calling and wrestle with each individual person feeling called to something? Absolutely. Well, our dream is that every pastor and every church will be ascending church and that there will be people who feel like I'm a missionary to my marketplace. I'm a pastor to the people I serve in my work context. 
Boy, there are built-in opportunities for interaction and influence in those contexts. So the dream would be that there's a whole lot more people like your pastor out there who are cheering people on and recognizing, validating their calling to the marketplace and then gathering them together so iron sharpens iron, they learn and grow and equipping them for that marketplace ministry. And my my hunch would be, as that happens, there'll be more people like Scott who we're going to hear from now who are living it out in different contexts. Absolutely. I, I think some people, and, and this applies, Jeff, to young people. I mean, you're in a context where there's college students and so on. There's almost the thought, well, if I'm a religion major or something, then I'm called to ministry. But what if you're a business major? What, you know, go down the list and, and name the majors. Isn't it true that in every one of those contexts, someone can be called to kingdom work, whatever their major or whatever their realm of work. I believe that's the biblical concept, and it's embedded in that idea of working as unto the Lord uh, that we see in Scripture. And as I hear that dream, I'm just going to say, as I listen to Scott here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine and pray about what that l- might look like in my context, and I hope our listeners will as well. First of all, if you just wouldn't mind just telling a little bit about yourself and your context and your work. Sure. Well, I'm a family physician in Muskegon, Michigan. I've been here 20 years now, and I have a very uh, large practice with um, babies up to people in their 90s, so full-scope family practice. Um, initially, we were covering the hospitals, delivering babies, doing like an old-school family practice. But uh, now it's, it's basically outpatient care. And um, yeah, I love what I'm doing here as a doctor, you know, building relationships for 20 years. Um, in addition to what I do here, you know, I, I'm, I have two big volunteer roles right now. Um, I'm involved with Young Life. So I'm the committee chair for Lakeshore Young Life, which uh, started in Spring Lake and then through Grand Haven and Muskegon. Um, you know, so we're, we're pulling together multiple Young Life areas here as, as they grow and, um, you know, trying to grow. It's such a big need in Muskegon, um, greater Muskegon, Tri-Cities area. You know, so um, I'm excited to be doing that. And um, the other role is with Global Partners Health Network. And um, five to six years into this now, trying to grow a network of healthcare professionals and um, beyond healthcare professionals, really, we're trying to grow a network of Wesleyans around the world, you know, who want to impact health and um, bring healing to their communities. Does it matter in your practice that you're a Christian? Does it matter in the way you interact with people and the way you're their doctor? Uh, how do you integrate your faith and work? Yeah, so um, I guess that, that happens on multiple levels. You know, I, I really... Um, like, I feel like God has put me here to take care of these people, you know, so I really do try to, um, and not just provide care. I try to love them. Okay. I try to, you know, to show love for them and and really care for them. And I, I think this is probably universal for a lot of doctors, um, whether they're Christians or not, you know, I feel like, you know, on another layer, you know, I pray regularly, you know, from people I see at ER report to, um, you know, we're waiting for biopsy results, you know, so I, I feel like praying for patients is a very um, common thing I do, 
you know, but whether it's at home going through charts and results in my office, um, whether it's in the room, you know, where I may pray silently, you know, I, I keep a list of guys I pray for one every day of the month, you know, so I, uh, I just, it's on a spreadsheet. I keep, you know, I look at it every day and I pray for a certain person, you know, and there's 31 guys on that list. You know, I, I one of the guys on that list I saw, he's a patient, you know, and, and I, I told him, though, this, I said, you know, I keep a list of 31 guys I pray for, you know, each day, every month, and you're on that list, you know, and, and he was just really touched by it, you know, and he just, um, he was like, man, he's going, I don't think anybody prays for me. Uh, you know, I figured that you know, the patients, whether they know it's happening or not, you know, that it means a lot to them, too. That's great. I And I found that even even atheists don't seem to be offended if you say I'm praying for you, uh, right. you know, or I, can I pray for you? It's the kind of believe it can't hurt. <laughs> Literally, they believe that, uh, yeah. you know, if they're an atheist, it's, it's you know, but it's kind of the thought that counts from the, someone like that. And so that's, yeah, I, I found that that can be useful. So is there any point when you felt like you accelerated in your clarity of your calling uh, as a doctor, integrating your faith in that? Is there any point when you started to say, oh, I really get how this fits together with my Christian faith? I'm very entrepreneurial. Okay. For the first eight years of my practice, I was really involved in another company that I helped start with a a good friend of mine. Um, And you know, and I almost left medicine to pursue that full time and just ended up not feeling like that was the right thing for me to do. So I didn't. Um, and then I'm going on these short term mission trips with Dennis Jackson and, um, you know, just really at one point just feeling like, oh, man, like I think like things are adding up. I'm probably going to be called to mission work at some point, you know, but not feeling that call, you know, and then I've got my practice here. So I feel like, you know, I had these three, you know, I had this huge like entrepreneurial drive. Like I like doing stuff like I love. Okay. And like, so I, I was finding other ways to let the energy out. Okay. And then I have my medicine, I have this mission work and I feel like, when GPHN came along and I felt like God pulling me into that, I felt like for the first time, like those three separate circles all came together and overlapped, you know, and, and that was kind of a sweet spot for me, you know, and I really like being a doctor. I don't, I mean, it's great. You know, it's, um, it's my day job, if you will, you know, and, um, and I love that, but like at the same time, I feel like there's, it's not the best fit as a career for who I am, you know, but it's serving as a really cool platform to kind of build these other things that are probably a better fit for who I am deep down. And are also kind of leveraging that, you know, for God's kingdom. Nice. And so there, I hear kind of a bit of a hybrid. There's some people who are like, Hey, I, I, I integrate my faith in my work. Uh, a doctor could say that and I give to missionaries. And then there's other people uh, like the person we were talking about earlier who just sell everything and move to another country and do that. And you're kind of halfway between those. Like I'm going to give part of my life to that. What practically does it look like for you? Um, 
So I take Tuesdays off and then I take most Thursday afternoons off. And, um, and so I, those days are, are a huge portion of those days are committed to the volunteer efforts. And before we're done, I, I just want you to think of that person who cold turkeys thinking like, okay, maybe they're, they're reading this book 10 years from now. And they don't, maybe they don't even know if they could still reach you, but they just kind of want to be more intentional. What practical steps would you tell them to do right away to start to get involved in medical missions in some way or just integrating their faith in the medical world in some way? I feel like um, we all have stuff God's calling us to do. Okay. There's all like, we may want, I'm going to do medical missions. I'm going to bring healing. I want to go on a short-term trip. I want to, I want to like, that's going to be really cool. I can bring healing to people in Togo or Zambia or wherever. Okay. And like, and that can be good, but I feel like there's always these things that God's asking us to do in the minute, you know, and that may be like, Hey, your wife asked you to do something and you don't want to do it, you know, but, and and you're just going to, honor your wife and do it without saying anything. Or, um, you know, it may be like God's calling you to, um, I don't know, maybe forgive somebody or, you know, maybe you reach out to somebody, you know, and like, I, I think at early on, I, like I was interested in missions because it like, man, you can make a big impact and that's cool. Okay. But like, I might ignore some of these little things that God might be calling me to, do that nobody really notices okay and like i feel like one thing i've learned as i go down this road is that those little things are actually the big things okay and like it's not till we're the more and more faithful we become and obedient we come to this little stuff that may seem completely insignificant now it doesn't really matter if uh, if i do that now or later you know it's like that's what god's watching us for Uh, The more I'm faithful to that, even though they may be completely separate and they don't look like they're connected, just the more impact I find that um, I'm having, whether it's in my practice or whether stuff happens, I just feel like God's moving more in the things I'm involved. Just grateful for it, man. It's nice to talk to you directly about it. Yeah, thanks, man. We're just trying to, you know, tell other people about it. Yeah, cool, man. Appreciate it. We're joined now by Pastor Pete Yoshanis from All Shores Wesleyan Church. And Pete, you just heard one of your people, Scott, talk about some of what's happening in his life. What do you hear and what, what goes through your mind as a pastor when you have a person like this in your church? Yeah, it was interesting listening to him. I, um, I'm thinking back over all the years I've known Scott. And uh, it, it came as no surprise because I've seen Scott and how he live lives. Uh, I think what comes to mind initially is what a joy it is to have a person like that be part of your church. You know, Scott, um, we, we talk regularly about the idea of the church being deployed, that we're not coming to gather together, but to dispense. And Scott becomes one of those people that you look and go, man, I, I want everyone to see their life missionally like Scott does. And so I think even hearing that, uh, kind of hearing those different areas, even the sense of calling in different ways, the way he is integrating his faith into his work and into his life. There were things I heard I didn't know that were really powerful for me too. Even like when he shared about the idea of having someone on his list each day and praying for them, 
I know Scott, I know by the way he lives that he reaches out to people. I didn't know that facet. And that was just another piece of seeing something in his life. So as a pastor, when, when you see this, how do you bless and stand alongside this in one of your people? Yeah, that's a great question. And I guess we would say, how do I aspire to versus how I do? Because I would say, I think that's a, I think that's a new area for me to consider. How do I better support, bless, encourage what God is doing? Uh, so for me with Scott, that's building our own friendship and relationship. I think it's, it's acknowledging and celebrating what he's doing both publicly and privately. Sometimes it's finding out what matters to them more. I find some people don't like public affirmation. Others do some like personal encouragement. So it's kind of like you do with any friendship. You're trying to build understanding of how you can encourage and support and stand with someone uh, in those areas. I know from talking to you that that you and Scott have a, a mutual friend that you're reaching out together, uh, lay and clergy, working in partnership for the gospel. What does that look like on a practical level? Yeah, honestly, that has been such a joy. So there is there's a gentleman that Scott initially knows and knew, I think even through his work. Uh, but there was enough conversation that Scott wanted to talk more. I think the initial reasoning to get together was this man had some interest in how we care for people in need. He had a lot of concern and disdain for the church itself, has a lot of, I would say, skepticism, and really kind of had pigeonholed that. So Scott and I just began to get meals with him. And uh, one meal led to a, hey, I'd like to do this again, led to another. And and what I would say about it is it's not like Scott and I plan times, the three of us to meet. We both now have friendships with this guy, and we both we get together alone and together because they're mutual friendships. So that, that would be how it unfolded. I think along the way, it's been a great environment for both Scott and I to learn together. You know, I tend to get more questions that are theological in nature and, and kind of those, uh, I get to dispel some of this man's uh, misunderstandings about Christianity and Christians Scott gets to be a real human being to him and give his own perspective, his own uh, thoughts on some of those things, but much more from his personal uh, kind of disposition and posture. So what I found is Scott and I tend to work together really well because we bring different things to the relationship. Well, thanks so much for sharing about the relationship and, and what God's doing and for being an example of a, a Ezra-Nehemiah partnership between lay and clergy trying to preach the gospel in new places. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a joy, and Scott's taught me a lot just by hanging out like this. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. For more information, go to www.marketplacemultipliers.com, where you can send us your story of Marketplace Multiplying and subscribe to this podcast. Be on the lookout for David Drury's book about Marketplace Multipliers coming in February. Join us in two weeks for our next episode.